Good morning, everybody. How are we today? All right. I need you to get fired up this morning. We're going to have lots of fun. Let me first welcome all of our first-time guests and anyone watching live right now online. Let's welcome everybody this morning. So glad to have you guys. So glad. Let me just start today out by saying that great teams, all great teams, any great team that you've ever seen in any stage of your life, whether you were on it or somebody else was on it, all great teams are made up of generous people. Uh, I have in the audience today some very generous people to our church, uh, my dad and my mom and my little baby bro and his wife, Lindy. Can you guys stand for us real quick? Yes, yes. And all our cousins in town. And I want to say in advance, if today's message is anything less than phenomenal, I, I get to blame it on them. They talked me into going into a late movie. We saw Jason Bourne last night. Anybody seen that uh, new Jason Bourne movie? Anybody? Nobody? What's wrong with you people? There you go. There you go. Uh, how many of you guys like movies, by the way? Just want to know. Yeah, I love movies. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm sneaking away and just turning everything off for a little bit. All right, so if you guys have been here for the last few weeks, we started this series out. And we really did identify the fact that everybody is on a team. Everybody's on a team. Whether it's you and your wife, you're on a team, you and your best friend, uh, you and your circle of friends, you and your work team, your school team, your sports team, your church team, your whatever team, everybody's a part of a team. And we know when teams win, they, they do a lot of things well together. They function well together. Last week, we talked about great teams sacrifice for each other. They serve with each other. Last week, I, I'd love to report, last week we had 60 people sign up last Sunday to say, I want to be part of this team and serve on it somewhere. So I think that's a phenomenal thing. Good job for you guys that signed up. Now, because I have family in town, um, you know, I love to tell stories. I love to tell. How many, guys, how many guys have ever heard me tell a dad story, like about my dad? Yes. All right, dad, you see that? Did you see that, dad? I tell a lot of stories about my dad, probably too many stories about my dad. I'm going to tell one today that revolves not around my dad, it revolves around my wife. Um, in my very first year of marriage, um, I took my beautiful bride and had no clue what it was to take her away from her family and honestly thinking, ha-ha, I'm taking your daughter away from you. Wow, that was the worst thing any young man could ever do to a father. Now that I have daughters, I do not like that thought at all. So I take my wife down from where she originally was from in Virginia down to South Florida, in my very first year of marriage, we're trying to get things figured out. I'm trying to understand what works. You know, what approach am I going to use to this marriage? What approach will I use to communicate? And how will we, how will we handle money? How will we handle just, I mean, all aspects of marriage? How do we, how do we figure each other out? We're just getting to know each other. So on, on this one particular occasion, we were uh, down in South Miami somewhere, and we were going to head back home. This was, this students and, and single young people, this will tell you uh, my age. Um, this was before we had cell phones. I mean, there might have been cell phones. We just couldn't afford one of those big massive ones. They're like the size of a Yeti cooler, right? 
they called them bag phones, but you could have like put like, you could have like, you know, you, we could have hit kids in them. So before we had a cell phone, um, we kind of pulled off the side of the road and I was already trying to have Christy follow me and, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what would work in helping her stay with me because she has no clue about where to go in, in Miami. And I knew Miami real well. So I, I basically just said several times, just, just stay with me, just follow me, just, just, you know, just be right behind me. And so we, we weaved and we bobbed, we were in traffic and, you know, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm ADD. So, I mean, I'm like squirrel and I'm in another lane and squirrel and, you know, I'm passing cars. So she's having a difficult try, time trying to stay with me. So as I am watching her in my rearview mirror, I'm just smirking like, <laughs> this is awesome. And, you know, we, we've already had a few experiences where, you know, you've had that like husband, wife who drives better, you know, I'm the, I'm, and I'm the self-made, I'm the greatest driver in our family. So everybody else, basically, I feel like they got to, they have to bow to my driving prowess. And so I'm, I'm, I'm basically enjoying now my wife because she's working really hard to stay like, I mean, right, right on my tail. And so I'm having a little fun with this and jockeying around. And so all of a sudden on the way home, I'm thinking, oh, let's go by public. So right before we get near our, our apartment, I zip off to uh, make a right-hand turn, and I'm, I'm looking at our Publix on the left. And so before I go into, like, the main entrance of Publix, I just hop, like, two or three curbs, drive over a median, and I park in a parking space. Well, at this moment, I'm thinking, oh, this is, watch what Christy does. She's going to try to go that direction, realize she can't, and then she's going to be like, oh, what do I do? Where is he going? Is he going to Publix? Is he just playing with me? Because about this point, I've been playing a whole lot with her. So I look back. And I don't know if she decides in that moment just to stick it to me or if she's having like a ADD or a blonde moment because she, all I see is this car just going like, boom, but she's not really blonde. I can say that, okay? So she's, boom, she's bouncing over the curb and I'm going, what are you doing? So I pull over. She finally pulls up next to me and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's just like, baby, you said to follow you. And I'm like, oh, okay. I can see we need to work on this communication thing. She is just sticking it to me. And so we actually had this discussion this morning. She's like, baby, I wasn't sticking it to you. I just kind of had a moment. Where I just wasn't paying attention. I'm like, so what would you want me to share with everyone? That it was a blonde thing or a driving ability thing? So she said, let's not go there. So anyway, so, um, so here's the thing. When it comes to life, when it comes to money, um, a lot of us have tried different approaches that just didn't work right? If you'd be honest, you've tried approaches to marriage, to communication, to try, trying to follow each other in a traffic jam. You've tried approaches to how you handle your money. You've tried different aspects of all things life and all things team, and you found out that different things just do not work. Well, the truth this morning that I want us to glean from today is that God's way really does work, really does work. So whether you're a newbie this morning, you're kind of kicking tires, someone drug you in, somebody promised you lunch or a free golf game or whatever it is, um, the, the truth of the matter is because God created all things, he created us, he, he, he knows everything about us, he created our economy, uh, God's way really does work. In fact, I want to show you this as we kick off this today in Haggai, just to kind of set the tone and let us just kind of walk through the emotion of a, of a real succinct uh, passage here. I want you to look at Haggai. It's an odd book in the Old Testament. It's a really short book. 
I uh, won't have you necessarily have to look it up. You, we'll find it up on screens. But if you got your Bible, you can find this on your smartphone also. So Haggai chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 5 says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Basically, hey, what approach are you going to live through in life? What, what's, what's, your, what's your thinking going to be when you approach the, the aspects of life we have to make decisions on how we'll do things? Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvest is little. Basically saying, you've tried to work hard, but eh, it's, it's not really working. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never get your feelings. So, so like, catch the emotion here. You, you drink, but you never have your fill. Um, a lot of you, a lot of us, and even myself at times, there are times we feel empty in our efforts. You feel empty in your effort, efforts. I, I, I'm trying. I'm giving ample effort. I'm working at it. But it just seems like my efforts are bringing no return. Scripture goes on to say, you put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I love how amazingly creative God's word is. You're working at it, but it's not working for you. It should work, but it's not. Scripture goes on to say, this is what the Lord Almighty says, and this is how he ends this, this passage. Give careful thought to your ways. God's, God says, I have a way that really works. Now, in 1 Timothy, uh, Paul gives a, just a real short message, I believe, to leaders of the church, leaders then of the church, maybe to, we could say to pastors uh, today. But in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy, it says in chapter 6, 17, it says, command those who are rich in this present world to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and, here's a huge word, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, last year we did a series called uh, Be Rich. We actually stole the concept from a guy in Atlanta named Andy Stanley who uh, had a, an incredible series and a, a book that he wrote about this. We stole this idea. We, we talked about this idea of us being rich because in America, the thing we've got we've to finally understand that we live in the greatest, richest nation on the planet. We are rich by just means of being in America. We're, we're a wealthy nation. We are a wealthy people. So this scripture, it applies to all of us. We live in the richest country in the world. Honestly, studies show if you have a household income of 45000 like a dual household income of 45000 you're in the top 1% of all wage earners in the world. We've got, to get, we've got to get comfortable with this concept. We are rich. We are. We're, we're rich people. And it, it is really important for us to, to know, especially in the concept, this, this discussion today, we're blessed. You and I, we're blessed. If you got to drive here today, you're blessed. Some of you left a second vehicle at home. Um, if you had a bike that you rode here today, in most places of the world, you're blessed. So we've got to get comfortable with this concept. So rich people problems are this. Rich people problems are when you stand 
in front of a closet of full clothes, full, a full closet, full of clothes, and say, I have nothing to wear. Now raise your hand if you've ever done that, and you are in church, all right? I think I, I, was, I was really pumped to see all the ladies. I was a little confused about the guys. Um, didn't expect quite that many fellows, um, but that's cool. It's all good. Um, or you, you have rich people problems when you're complaining that your satellite TV repairman is late, right? Anybody ever done that? You get frustrated, like, ah, just dad gum, the guy's not showing up. So here's the thing. Second Corinthians goes on to say, Paul continues to say, Second Corinthians 8, 9, says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's, really, that's really where all generosity the greatest initial team was, was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? And when God set his son Jesus into the world, he modeled the most generous grace. God modeled incredible generosity by gifting us his son. So the first team that we ever saw in all of mankind uh, is God's grace of Jesus Christ. So you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. And I think we have to nod our heads at that, at that and say, yeah, obviously, there's no debating that. God is rich, right? He, he decides who has it in worlds, in nations, in kingdoms, and powers. God is large and in charge. So when we say, though he was rich, we go, yeah, uh-huh, God was rich. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, my sake, our sakes, yet for our sakes, he became what? Is that up there? No, it's not up there. Are we working on those screens? There we go. He became rich for our sakes. So he became poor for us, essentially. Yet for our sakes, he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make us rich, right? So by God's poverty. So God went and chose to lessen himself, lower himself, basically become a person of poverty for our sake so that we could be what? Be made rich. So here's the, here's the kind of a question. I think we squirm a little bit when we think of it like this. God wants us to be rich. Does that sound right? Does it sound right? I think, I think honestly, when I, when I think it in di different contexts, uh, I, I think that sounds a little bit weird. But when you read this passage, it says he wants to make us rich. Now, we start questioning what kind of rich, right? Obviously. Right? What, what is he talking about here? We're talking about just rich in heaven? Like, oh, is this, oh, oh, this is just a salvation thing, right? So I think this brings in the question, and I get asked this all the time. I, I, I watch a lot of like, well, that's not true. I skim through a lot of like Christian TV stations. I never land on them very long because I see some whack job kind of guy wheeling and dealing like some awesome stuff to get people to do things and give and be generous and you kind of just go, ah, I'm not so sure about that. But you hear a word out there in the church world that's called this, prosperity theology. And I get asked all the time, hey, are we one of those prosperity the theology churches? You know, the kind of church that says, uh, it's God, God's, it says God wants you wealthy. So, um, excuse me, back up here. Uh, no, so we're not one of those churches. Let me just back up and say that. We're not one of those prosperity theology churches. It says God wants you wealthy so you can be wealthy. That's what, that's what prosperity theology says. That God wants you wealthy so you can be wealthy. So here's, here's what scripture goes on to say about this concept. 
that God wants to make us rich. Because I think, I think there's some tension in this. I think there's some confusion even in the church world. What does God really intend for us? Because it makes a big difference when we're talking about, is God a generous God? And are we supposed to model him with our own lives, right? How does that really look? What is God really trying to ask us to do? What's really the best way for us to live? So 2 Corinthians 9.11 goes on to say this. It says, you will be rich in what? In every way. So that you can be what? Generous on every occasion. So here's the truth of this. And write this down. You got this in your notes this morning. You got a little handout today. This is in your notes. It says, God will bless you with more than you need so you can be a blessing. That's what scripture says. It's not, I get wealthy, God wants me to be rich, so I can be rich. I think God's looking around and gives each of us different sized buckets and just wants to pour in our buckets an amount that will overflow. But he wants us to take what overflows and what he's, what he's filling up in these buckets, he wants us to be able to be generous with others. So I think God is constantly looking to replenish your bucket, your stuff, so that you can be generous. I think that's the point. And I think we get lost when you hear churches or people confusing that about Scripture. God does want to make us rich, but he wants to make us rich so we can take our wealth, our stuff, our resources, everything that he's blessed me with, and I can be a blessing to others. Now, um, it really does make you think kind of almost a, a new way to pray, right? I was thinking about this today. I, I, I pray sometimes weak prayers. I will pray, um, God, would you just help me have my needs met? I think when I read this passage, it makes me think um, that we ought to be praying more than just having our needs met. I think we ought to be praying, God, would you allow my resources that would you allow me to have such an abundance, God, that I can bless others? I think that's a noble prayer. I think, I think we're stating to God, God, you can trust me with an abundance because I'm promising you, God, if you'll bless me, I want to be a blessing to others. I think that ought to be our prayer. I think that's the model God would want us to pray. I think God would want us to be the most generous team on the planet. I think the church, capital C, the church at large, ought to be the most generous group of people on the, on the face of the planet. I really do. Because if we were, think of how the rest of the world, who's not connected to Christ, who's di disconnected with the church, disconnected with joy, with the freedom that comes from salvation and knowing that God's forgiven me of my sins, think of the people on the planet who would need to know that there's a Savior that could free them and to give them a home forever in heaven, think of what it would be like if on the face of this planet, Christ's followers were known as being the most generous, open-handed people on the planet. I know, I know I'm very convinced when someone shows up and drops a box, box of Krispy Kreme donuts at my house. In fact, my daughter this morning, Allie, Went to Krispy Kreme unannounced. I just woke, woke up and I said, where's Allie? And they're like, oh, she went out to grab something. And so she came back and she came back with four Krispy Kreme donuts. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 
you're my best friend in the world. When someone does something for you, right? When someone does something for you, what does it say to you? It says that's, they're legit. It says that's for real. That, that's, that's, I just got to see and peer into their heart. What makes them tick is something that gets me fired up. So, so really, the question is, so what's the problem? Here's the problem. When it comes to us being a wealthy nation, the truth is, the more Americans make, the less we give. And I think that's kind of the curse. It's kind of the curse of our, it's, it's, it's not having stuff that's bad. It's when stuff has us that, be, that can become a really bad thing. So the more Americans make, the, the less we give. Now, it's never been a tactic of, of this church to um, make people feel guilty um, and, and teach in such a way that you would feel like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilted into being generous. That's so not the heart of this church, and it's so not the heart of what God would want us to do. God would want us to say, you know, because of what he's done for me, because of what he's doing for me, because of my love, just because he is who he is, I want to do and be and live because of and out of an outflow of how gracious my loving God is for me. I want to bestow that and bless others. So it's never been a tactic of, of our church to, uh, to teach that way, to try to, you know, use like really crazy tactics to get people to this place because ultimately I really believe it is it is it is it is just a way for us to say okay look the way I guess our approach is like we just want to present opportunities to you here's an opportunity here's an opportunity to know um, how you and God could connect on this level here's an opportunity for us to kind of grasp God's blessed me and so I can be a blessing to others but what we like to do oftentimes is we just love to present to you opportunities and say, here's what's going on. Here's some opportunities. Let us just let you know about what, what's going on. So I want to do that. I want to let you about, I want to let you in on some opportunities, some things that we've got coming up in this fall. Now, last week I shared with you, um, we talked about um, our, our week where we, where we had several people sign up to be a part of this church through serving. We said in the fall, we're launching, we said, the greatest series, teaching series ever of all times. Have I ever said that before? I have. But I'm telling you, I mean it this time. Okay? <laughs> all right? This is going to be the greatest series we've ever done. We've been planning this thing now for several, several, several months. We're calling it Heartbreak Hotel. It's going to be, in one word, a lot of fun, Right? It's going to be a phenomenal way for you to connect with your friends, someone you know who is not connected to God, not connected to church, and it's going to be our effort as a church to really roll out the red carpet and again say, this is the most accepting place on the planet, and we want every man, woman, and child who walks through these doors to feel like if they're giving God and his church one last chance, we want them to walk in and say, I may not walk away today believing what they believe. But I believe that they believe in what they say they believe in, and I'll come back. So in this series, uh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting prepared for it. In fact, the series we're in now is really just priming the pump, preparing our hearts, getting us geared up so we can be the 
best version of the church when your friends and my friends walk through these doors and they show up and they hear a, a, a series that's, that's dealing with a felt need of theirs. And this is a relationship series. It's going to be on relationships. But in every week and in every message, we're going to beeline towards some amazing biblical truths that will connect with their struggle, their tension, a physical, real need they have in relationships, and we're going to connect them to God. And I'm, I'm, I'm promising you this. You're going to see your friends begin to have their hearts pricked by the good news of Christ. And so we're, that's, that's coming up in the fall. Another thing that we've got planned, and this is going to be an incredible event for our kids' ministry, ultimately for families. First time we've ever done this, we're going to do it out on the, out on the property. It's going to be the My Church First Annual Trunk or Treat. Now, in some worlds, that's kind of like your grandma's, like how they could do like trick-or-treating on Halloween time, all right? But we're going to do this in such a crazy, awesome way outdoors that your grandma is going to love it, and so are her grand- grandchildren, all right? So this is going to be an incredible th- we thing we do as families. Uh, so get geared up for that. That's going to be a right before Halloween. It's going to be phenomenal. We're also working real hard and are very excited to do a My Church One Massive Day Serve Day where we take all of our efforts, all of our knowledge, all our combined knowledge and information about what's going on in our city, whether it's um, a widowed neighbor across the street who needs her yard mowed, whether it's a, uh, a military spouse whose husband's deployed, whether it is uh, an elderly person or a homeless person, wherever it is, whether it's the lost, the least, or the lonely, in our city, and our church is going to rock our city's world on that one all-in, everybody going all-in combined effort on that day. So that's going to be coming in the fall. Get geared up for it. It's getting ready to happen. All right, another thing is, uh, if you remember last year, we started this. Um, we, we didn't start it, start it, but we, we, we started it for our church last year. Kind of an almost sounding goofy concept, but it is really sharp when it's done well. Last year, we rolled out some God Loves You cards. And we had these cards, and I've seen them all over. I've, I've actually run into people that were holding the cards, and I'm like, who just gave them that? And so the concept is going out and just doing all over our city as we get closer to, uh, after, after we get beyond Halloween, we get into the deeper part of fall with Thanksgiving and Christmas. I want our church to all over city just randomly on your own do random acts of kindness. And I always want to connect um, a, 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 an effort, a gesture, a notion with the fact that God loves you. Because I'm telling you, there are people all across our city, maybe some of us this morning, that need to know in that moment some, that they matter, that, that they're not forgotten. And we always want to connect that message with the message, and that's the message that God loves us. And so we're going to go hardcore and come out with some really cool, cool cards again, and uh, we're going to go after this. And let me just add this. I think we've even got this in your notes, so it's not just like a random ad. But this is something that I, I really see that's happening in our, our generation, my generation, your generation, and younger generations, 
this is, this is something we've got to really be careful with because social justice, and that's the, that's the kind of the cool term, uh, which means us going out and doing good for others. And we should all applaud that. We should all do that. Let me say this, though. Social justice without spiritual justice really isn't justice. If, if we don't ever, ever have hopes or an end goal to help connect the dots for people spiritually, then I think we've ultimately not helped people, but we've kind of just been kind. And that's not a bad thing to be kind. Let's be kind. But the end-all strategy goal would be to connect people spiritually. So social justice without spiritual justice isn't justice. It looks like love, but the greatest gift is being withheld. All right? And so I want our church to be great at this. I want our church to be the church that people go, you know what, those people love me, I can tell. Those people love me, and I want us to woo their hearts in such a way that someday, and it may take time for many of our friends, but someday I want to, I, I, I want, listen, here's my goal. I want to know that every man, woman, and child in this city knows Jesus. I, I, I have friends. I have neighbors. And I want them to know God's love. I want them to know God's grace. And I want to be, I want heaven to be more crowded, Right? I mean, we, we love the party around here. I don't want heaven to be empty, and it won't be. I know lots of people that'll be there, right? But, but, but you know the reason, the reason God has not come back yet is because he's waiting and patiently giving more grace so that every knee, every knee has a chance to know him. Every, that sounded really weird, every knee. Every knee would bow and, and say, Jesus, your Lord. And would have an opportunity to know him. Uh, another thing we're doing, and we have never ever done this before, like this. We're going to do the first Christmas Eve outdoor experience that my church has ever done. All right? Yeah. I'm glad you guys are excited about that. We've only done one other Christmas Eve service in the seven years of my church's history. This year, Christmas. Our, our, our Christmas is on a Sunday this year, and we're going to do a Christmas Eve service outdoors. And I'm telling you, we're working on some stuff that no, nobody has ever done before. It's going to be so creative, so exciting. It's going to be cool, like literally cool. <laughs> so it's gonna, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff that makes it work phenomenal. And I'm telling you what, I believe for our church, it is a time of the year where people, especially then, are trying to figure out, is there a God? Is there a Savior? Can He love me? And I'm telling you, our church is going to be prepared. So we're getting geared up for these things. So, um, so here's a question. Here's where I want to go. Next couple minutes. So how... And who do we give to? How do we give? How do we do it? How do we choose? Who do we give to? So I want to give you a quick filter. Here's a giving filter. Um, here's how you can decide for your own, not pastor-led, uh, but God-led. Um, here's a grid of giving, a giving filter, if you want. All right? So... 
Uh, I'm going to give you three questions I think we should ask in order to try to figure out where should I give? Who should I give to? All right, so first question is the relationship question, which is ultimately who will I commit to in a relationship? So because I believe God puts people in our path, uh, I believe God puts your spouse in your path perhaps, uh, I believe God places people in your lives, maybe for seasons, maybe, maybe for your entire life, but I believe God puts people in your path who he wants us to give our time to. I believe God puts people in our, in our path so we would give our treasure to, it's our stuff, give our abilities to, and just basically just give our hearts to. And I think there's all types of those types. One, one of those is my spouse. God put Christy in my path, and my goal is for this to be a committed, ultimately a covenant relationship where I'm committed 100% through relationship that my life is devoted to being generous to my wife. That, that's what I see in Scripture. And I believe God puts all types of people in your life. I think God puts uh, the, the neighbor across the, the, the street from you. I think God puts those people in your paths so we could be, be, uh, be known for the people who would love and serve the people around us. I think God puts people in our lives. So I think, I think the filter is the relationship question. Who will I choose to commit to in a relationship? Could be a coworker, uh, someone who, who you're working with at work. Uh, it could be a military family that you just, you know what, God keeps placing this person in my life. And I, I, I just think for the purpose of God wants me to serve them. God wants me to find a way to meet their needs. God wants me to be generous with, this, with their person. Um, my first commitment, my first commitment is to God. When I think about God, I think about him, and I, I think what God says is, I'll let my son die so I could be in relationship with you. And so he died for us, so I ultimately, my, my role, my goal is that I would die to him. God died for me, so my goal is I would die for him. So my wife and I, um, this is, I want to give you um, just three or four things that because he gave his life for us and because of what we see in scripture about being generous, I want to give you a few things that my wife and I have, we've committed to. Both, this is what we've committed to personally, right? Now, this is not something I'm trying to um, say for you to do, but this is just what we're doing and, and it can be a model for you, but this is what we've chosen to do and this is what we've chosen literally to write down um, and to, to pass them to our kids. So um, Chrissy and I's personal commitment is this. Number one, we recognize that all we have comes from the hand of a gracious God. That, that's, a, that's, that's a commitment that we're always going to stay um, promised to and in remembrance of that we recognize that all we have comes from the hand of a gracious God. Second thing that we're committed to is we will give the full tithe. That's 10% of the, if you're new to the whole church thing, we see in the Old Testament and then really in the new, God just says, you know, trust me with all that you are. But we're committed to giving the full tithe and when God leads, oftentimes more to the church that we worship in and more as God leads us. That's a commitment we've made. Third thing is this, we will demonstrate discipline with our spending and live by the 10-10-80 principle, which is, we're going to give 10%. That's just, we don't, that's not a debate. It's not a discussion. That's just, that's like clockwork in my house. We're going to give 10%. We're 
we're going to save 10% and we're going to live off 80%. Now, it's not always perfect on the latter two, right? Well, you live off whatever you have left, right? But we're not always the best at saving. We're still working on that one, all right? We're actually better at giving than we are saving. So we're actually, uh, actually kind of uh, planning on God uh, being uh, very gracious with us, uh, and he has been. The fourth thing is this. We will avoid debt so that his money doesn't go to the wrong places. And, and that's something we're diligently working on. We're trying to get everything paid off. We want things paid off. I want my money going to where God can use it. Uh, and the fifth thing is this. The, fi- the fifth, uh, fifth commitment that we've made personally is we'll make an effort to be generous on every occasion. That's just a, a, a verse that we kind of just made a part of our disciplinary process. We will make an effort to be generous on every occasion. And I promise you, when you walk around with that decision already made, it helps when times God brings somebody and puts them in your path. I mean, there are many, many times that we're standing in a restaurant line ordering a meal and we're hearing two ladies behind us talk and their husbands are deployed and we'll just buy their meal. And sometimes we'll talk to them and sometimes we'll just walk off and we'll just let them be blessed. That's something that we feel like God just places those opportunities for us out there, and those are things that we'll do. The second question I think that we have to ask is the difference question. Will it make an eternal difference? I think this is, I think this is huge. I think this is huge. Why? Because, and hear my heart on this, because all charity and giving isn't the same. It really isn't. And, I, I, and please, we should be charitable and generous wherever God leads you, right? This is, this is a God leading you thing. But I think we need to ask the question as we're being strategic, as we're thinking ahead, not giving out of impulse necessarily, not giving out of guilt for sure, but will it make a difference? I believe our giving should be strategic in helping people find their way back to God. I think our giving ultimately ought to result in heaven being more crowded, I really do. I really, I believe that's in Scripture. Um, let, let me, let me, uh, let me show you this. First um, Corinthians three twelve says this: If any man builds on his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. That meaning the day in the end, God's going to bring everything to light. With what did you do with what you have? Did it amount to anything? In, in the day, in that day, it will be brought to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will what? Test the quality of each man's work. This is talking about eternal reward. This is talking about what you did on this planet. Did it have eternal value to it? Or what we do, or is what we're doing with our stuff making a difference in someone's heart for eternal ramifications. If what he has built survives, he will receive his word. Does it make a difference? The third question is this, the God question. Is God speaking to me about this? Is God speaking to me? Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says this. Jesus went through the towns, through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and doing what? Doing what? Preaching the good news. This backs up the difference question. It should make an eternal difference. That's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching 
and walking around doing life with people in the synagogues, through the cities, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So he's out there doing good. He's out there serving others. But it had a point. It had a purpose. Jesus was being strategic with his love, with his physical efforts to help pull people towards himself and towards ultimately his Father in heaven. So what we need to see about his heart was when he saw the crowds, he, on compassion, he had compassion on them. So here's the deal. When God whispers to you to be generous, what do you do? When God moves your heart to be generous, what do you do? One, one day, um, I had finished speaking uh, a message, giving a talk on Sunday, and uh, Christy was in both services that day. Christy's my wife, if you guys are uh, unfamiliar with who my Christy is. Um, and she sent me a text sometime during the, the, the time that I was talking. I don't know when I, when I noticed it, but it said something about I gave extra today or something like that. And so when I got done, I said, hey, what was that about? We're done with all our services that day. I said, what was that, what was that about? She goes, oh, I, I, just, uh, I just felt like I wanted to give extra today. And I was like, really? The message was good today, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I, was like, I was like, all of a sudden, like, leading into that moment where I'm, like, trying to get, like, a attaboy. And I'm like, man, it was a good message. It was, tell me, how good was it? She's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I wasn't even listening to the message. I was reading my Bible. And do you remember that day? She, she's like, oh, I wasn't even listening. I was like, you weren't listening? She said, no, I, I, I heard the first message, and it was, it was fine, baby, it's fine. But I was reading my Bible in the second sermon. And she's like, I, I, God, just, God just whispered in my heart. Like, like, you know, I don't know if we were giving to something specific that day or what, you know, our, our, our generosity was going towards. But she's like, I just really felt like God nudged me, and I just gave extra. I just gave extra. I just wanted to text you and let you know that. And I was like, well... I guess I'm okay with that. You know, it's not the message, but it was God's word. So, I mean, there are times, there are times that God is going to nudge your heart. He's going to put someone in your path. He's going he's to lead someone your way. There's going to be days that we challenge the church. Hey, we're going big in the fall, and God's going to nudge your heart. The question is, what are you going to do with that? When God leads you, not me, not a great message, but when God leads you wherever he leads you, what do you do with that? So I think the ultimate question is this, Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? I think that's the ultimate question that we ask. I think that's the number one question, Lord, what would you, what would you have me do? And I think if we wake up every day of our life and we start our days out and we're looking at our families, we're looking at our friends, we're looking at the people around us who are part of our teams, we've got to say, Lord, what would you have me do today? Because I, I promise you this, I don't know, I don't want to know how much longer life will have. And I'm not a, I'm not a prepper at all, all right? I don't need to prep because I'm going to heaven anyways, all right? It's not a big deal to me. I mean, I, I don't like, I'm kind of scared of getting dead, but I'm good being dead. All right, I'm good. We're, we're A-okay, right? If you're a Christ follower, I'm like, hey, I'm good being dead. So I'm not, really, I'm not really much of a prepper, but I'll say this. We have no idea when Christ will return. But I know our days on this earth, they are numbered. And because they're numbered, I believe our church, this church, needs to be the greatest 
example of God's love, his grace, and his generosity. Because we've got, we've got a passion around here. Our hope and our heart is that every man, every woman, every child in this city would have an opportunity to know Jesus. Because there's no greater gift of love that we can give than the gift of knowing the Savior who saved us and gave his grace for us. I'm going to close with this. Our church has a value that we crafted last year, two years ago. It's always been something we, we, we modeled. It's always been our heart, but this is how we've worded it. And Christy mentioned it earlier. earlier. We will go all, in, go all in for God because he went all in for us. We will give up things we love for things we love more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. Question today is, Lord, what would you have me do? We're going to pray, and I'm going to have you stand. You guys can go ahead and stand. We're going to close with this last song. Um, we would normally used to do an offering at this time, but we don't, we don't actually pass anything. We, we, we reserve this moment just for believers to say, God, I want to give this moment to you. I want to worship you. Maybe you worship through giving and saying, God, I want to give you back what you've blessed me with. And if that's where you are today, with multiple ways to give, text give, and, and uh, multiple ways. There's places on the walls on your way out. But here's the thing. If you're a guest today, this conversation ultimately, it's for you. We, we don't want anything from you. As Christ followers, really, our whole passion and heart is that you could get to the place of, of really understanding why we're happy, <laughs> why we have joy, why I, why I get to go to bed at night knowing I don't have to live in fear any longer. Jesus paid the price of my junk and my sinfulness and made me right with God. So I know my home, my tomorrow is secure because of what he's done for me. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you so much for your grace. God, I thank you so much for this conversation this morning. God, we just surrender it to you. God, I pray that you would bless this church. God, I pray that you would just, just blow our minds, God, in making us rich so we can be a blessing to others. God, I pray that the people in this city would know us. They would know us. They would know us by our generosity. They would know us by our sacrifice. Not, not by our words, but by our actions. Let us be like you, God. And I pray that those of us that would be taking those steps, saying, you know what, I've heard this word today. I felt God nudge me. Whatever spiritual step that you feel God leading you today, God, I pray that you would use that not only to change the people around us and have them find you, but God, change us. God, there are times, I, I, there are weeks and months, God, I go through life and I'm close-fisted and I'm not being generous and I'm being stingy and I'm being prideful and I'm being fearful. God, I think it's, it's, it's our enemy's greatest tactic to cause us to live sort of bound and in bondage by fear. But God, I pray that we would be bold in faith through you, that we'd step out and boldly walk forward to whatever you lead us to do. God, as you nudge us, God, we're going to say and commit today, God, I'll do whatever you say. God, whatever you say, I'll do. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your salvation.